welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 196th episode, a returning guest is Ash Burgess. You first heard Ash Burgess on episodes 16, 26, 27, 39, 58, 63, 77, 86, 91, 100, 124, 130, 136, 142, 143, 148, 151, 154, 165, 176, 184, 191, and episode 82, which also featured fellow regular guest Jonathan Fowler of the podcast. A quick programming note. In this episode, we mentioned the concept of Ashco, which Ash and I first discussed in detail in episode 136. And the name of the new religious movement we mention is actually called Love Has Won. And now on to the show. Welcome back to the Rob Burgess Show, Ash Burgess. Hello. <laughs> so excited to be here. You've returned. You, we have so much to talk about. We do. Well, we've been, I think that we've been floating some of these ideas around for a while, and it was only recently that they all gelled into something that I think really, really takes you on a very exciting and perhaps alarming journey into my mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm ready for it. <laughs> But we're going to start with a very, I mean, some would say innocuous topic, but one that you have a lot of feelings about, which is... Well, no, no, go on. Which is popcorn. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I have some things to say about popcorn in general. I, I would not consider myself to be like a popcorn super fan or a popcorn aficionado or anything, but I do occasionally like to eat some popcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an air popper, which I really like. I think that's that's the best way to make popcorn in the home. Like, I, I never have any need to ever make a microwave bag of popcorn again. Um, do you remember when there was that thing where people who worked in the microwave popcorn factories were getting popcorn lung, which was mm-hmm. similar? Wasn't it similar to black lung, but it was from somehow the fumes of the microwave popcorn? Mm-hmm. And they I were saying, like, don't that. don't sniff the bag of the microwave popcorn or something. But even before that, I mean, microwave popcorn is just not the superior way to make popcorn, yeah, obviously. It's the same thing those people, like, a year or two ago got because they were buying those, like, black market vape cartridges. Oh, and, like, yeah. It's like whatever... Vitamin E or whatever... Whatever, whatever you're not supposed to breathe into your lungs. Yeah, it's like it coats the... It's the same idea. It, like, coats your... Uh, whatever, what area, what, what are those things, you know, whatever the, the things in the things your lungs inside are, your lungs, yeah. It coats them. Yeah, and that's obviously not great for them. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, you know, my family would occasionally make popcorn, and we did stovetop, which is good. Mm-hmm. Which is good, but it, it is a little tricky to make a good pan of stovetop popcorn, you know. If you don't heat the oil right or add the popcorn at exactly the right time, it maybe, you know, it can sometimes burn or not quite pop as well or come out a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have the air popper, like I mentioned, which makes popcorn really easy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, occasionally, like, I don't think I'd had popcorn in maybe a year or two. Mm-hmm. Because I think every once in a while, you know, you have some popcorn and then you have kind of an off-putting experience, like you crunch onto a kernel and your tooth gets hurt. Or one of the little shell pieces gets stuck against the side of your throat or something and you're uncomfortable and then, you know, a couple years pass before you want to eat popcorn again. Mm -hmm. But then recently, I don't remember why I was thinking about wanting to eat some popcorn and so, you know, Mm -hmm. here we are, we got some popcorn again and have bought some. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like popcorn kind of became a little trendy, maybe not now, but maybe like five years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Sure. I think it was when all those bagged popcorns came out. I mean, I guess they probably had bagged popcorn before, but I don't remember it being as much of a thing. And then there was like suddenly it became a thing that people were excited about, like the Boom Chicka Pop oh, yeah. and like the bagged like kettle corn. And like I think there are some cheesy varieties that I would never mess with. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. I feel like it became more of like a thing. Plus, there was that show that I was watching the show at the time, Scandal. You remember mm-hmm. that show? Yeah. That was the big thing in the show is that the main character's, like, her sort of snack of choice is that she would be, like, drinking red wine and eating popcorn. Oh. And that was something, that was somehow, like, a part of her character that was hit upon again and again within the show. Olivia Pope. Yes. Yes. I think the idea was that she was, like, too busy to eat a conventional diet, but, like, occasionally late at night, she would, like, eat the popcorn while she drank her red wine and contemplated her affair mm. with the president and the various candles that she was handling or whatever. I see. 
But anyway, so bringing us back around to the point, which is that we now have some popcorn in the house. Mm -hmm. But you, I mean, you have ideas about popcorn that I wouldn't necessarily have. Like you're willing, you're willing to like critique the popcorn in a way that I don't really think I ever really think about. You're like, well, you're always showing me like, look at the, look at the, look at the puff on this one. And I'm like, surely, surely someone who's listening to this will understand the pleasure that comes from, you know, when you have a kernel of popcorn and there's just a big, beautiful round dome of the white, you know, not the crunchy seed part, but just a big, beautiful round dome of like Mm -hmm. the nice, soft kernel material mm-hmm. or rather not the kernel whatever you want to call the white part i don't know what the name of it is it's just it's a pl- some some pieces of popcorn are just a pleasure and so when i eat popcorn i really like to eat it one piece at a time just to really pick out a few just really pleasing individual pieces and just mm-hmm. really savor them mm-hmm. which brings me to the idea that I've had for a while now, which I tried to explain to you and you've laughed at me, of course, but this is a good idea. <laughs> the idea is for a product that I call perfect corn, which would be a bagged popcorn that you could buy. But the thing that sets my bagged popcorn apart from all the other bagged popcorns on the market is that, and I'm giving this idea away for free because I do hope that someone will produce this because I, I will buy your popcorn. If, if I see this idea in the stores... No shade at you. I'm buying it. So you're welcome for this wonderful idea. Yeah. So anyway, this is bagged popcorn, but each piece in the bag is just a nice, beautiful, round piece, but there's no, none of the crunchy shell, you know, the leftover Mm. shell part from like the crunchy kernel. That's gone. Yeah. So obviously that's been removed. Okay. And... Obviously, the problem is it's going to be difficult to remove. The single problem. <laughs> the one only lone problem. The only problem is that it would be difficult to remove each of the crunchy pieces from the popcorn, mm. leaving the bag of Perfect Corn available huh. to be sold. So I imagine that each bag of Perfect Corn is going to be pretty expensive. Okay. I'm envisioning something in the 12 to $15 range for your bag of perfect corn just because mm-hmm. you know whatever process we have to go to to make the corn perfect you know that's going to cost especially because i thought about it i don't think you could make a machine that would do this mm-hmm. so i think it would have to be a situation where popcorn artisans are working with really tiny tools to remove the crunchy pieces mm. which obviously that's very labor intensive and so that's where the cost comes in Mm-hmm. This is artisanal perfect corn. Yes. Yes. But you know, let's let's delve a little deeper into how we're getting this perfect corn. What what goes into that? Like describe the process a little bit more. I mean, I imagine that the popcorn is popped and then the popcorn artisans mm. obviously popcorn artisans. Obviously they would need to be wearing gloves. Because no one wants to imagine people just like handsing all over their popcorn before they eat it. Question is yeah, clearly they're wearing gloves. But I mean, think about it: you eat bread from a bakery. I do. And someone may have had to touch that bread with their hands, possibly wearing gloves or not. I don't like to think about it, but yeah. Or you you eat at restaurants, and sure, like. Some of the scarier restaurants probably do have people wearing gloves when they make your food, but like a nice restaurant, I don't think the, you know, the master chef is wearing gloves because that would get in the way of their, you know, cooking. Mm-hmm. So you're just relying on them. You're you're believing that they care enough that they have done things like washing their hands and practicing good sanitation, and that hopefully the cooking is going to like all work out and mm-hmm. you know it's going to be fine. Still, I don't think people want people handsing all over their popcorn. So, I'm imagining that the popcorn artisans are wearing gloves and working with some kind of tiny tools. Perhaps similar, I'm I'm envisioning something a little bit similar to Now, this is a segue that I'm sure will leave more questions than answers, but when I was a young child, my father owned his own set of dental tools that he'd bought for himself along with this book called The Self Dental. I think the idea was that you could kind of service your own teeth. 
And he has since been to the dentist many times, so I don't think this totally, like, replaced his need for outside dental help. But anyway, at some point in time, he'd invested in a set of dental tools along with this book. So I'm picturing something somewhat akin to the dental tools, which as you can picture, you know, the tools that say you go to the dentist and they clean your teeth, the tiny little scrapers and pickers and things. I'm imagining something kind of like that, except perhaps specifically formulated for scraping away the undesirable parts of the popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... That makes and sense. the undesirable bits of popcorn wouldn't necessarily need to go to waste. They could possibly okay. be repackaged as some kind of animal food. Hmm. Like maybe for like pigs on a farm or something you that would normally pigs be... Pigs will just eat any <laughs> I believe that if you are a hog farmer, you feed them corn, among okay, other how things. How much nutritional value does that have? Just the probably, probably more than the white fluffy dome part. Maybe. I think that probably the crunchy part is probably where most of the nutrition is. Are, are animal bodies able to, like, break that down, though? I think that... Does that go right through them? Not every kind of animal, but I think, like, a hog could mm. probably break that down. Okay. I'm saying, I think hog farmers feed their hogs corn. So, how big of a difference is it to feed them popcorn? Mm. This reminds me of how there's no market for chicken feet in America, but in Asia it's, like, huge, and they can't get enough of our discarded... Chicken feet that we aren't eating from or, all the chicken we eat. Or kind of the reverse of that, where margarine was originally developed as a food for turkeys to fatten them up, but then the turkeys started dying, <laughs> but they repackaged it as a butter substitute for humans. I think it's just that humans don't usually consume enough margarine to die, whereas they were trying to feed the turkeys large amounts. Mm. And it obviously did not work out great for the turkeys, but... yeah. But anyway, so who, Ash, is doing this work? Who is, who's putting in the hours to make this perfect corn? Well, I think more pertinently, um, to explain who I envision doing the work to make the perfect corn, we should kind of throw back to an episode that we did. I think it was several years ago. I will look up. And let people know which episode this was. Because we, we went through pretty detailed... We went through some detailed ideas. Basically... Ideas about, well, what is... Basically, we have kind of a running joke between us where... This Perfect Corn is not the first product that you have laughed at that I have mentioned that I think should be produced. So we kind of have a running joke that I have this company called Ashco that produces all these wild products. And in this imaginary version of reality, you are kind of a... I guess I'm kind of this inventor, inventor billi- slash madwoman, billi- yeah. billionaire <laughs> idea person. Yes, yes. Yeah. So this is like, and this perfect corn is exactly the kind of idea. You're imagineering I, things all yes. the time. Yes. I at Ashco come up with the idea mm. for the perfect corn. It's up to my employees to figure out how to make this happen. Oh, is it ever? <laughs> Do we want to recap any of the ideas we talked about in the I episode? Mean, I think we could just, you know, give people a little tease. I mean, there was the original idea that I've had for a very long... I had this idea as a child, the Uh Alive for Coat. Yes. Original idea, because it solves so many problems, but it also creates a lot of new problems. We've gone deep into that subject. Also, the was it the three-day work week? Oh, yes. I mean, who among (laughs) us doesn't want to just work harder... You're still selling this idea. For a little... No, because I actually believe in this idea. I think it ha- it comes down to different working styles. Because, like, <laughs> I am... Okay, I think you're probably better than me at multitasking. Like, you have a lot of different things that you have to do every day. Mm-hmm. And you're able to do them. And that's something that... I struggle with getting a lot of things done. I'm really good at focusing and working really, really hard. And to me, it's... I struggle with, if I'm working on a project, I struggle with taking breaks. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's sometimes difficult for me, like, for example, like with having kids. It's like, I can't delve into a project the way I might if I didn't have, you know, people that are counting on me to, like, make dinner and take care of them and talk to them and stuff. But for me... The idea of just focusing on something and kind of neglecting everything else in your life, that's how I work best. Mm-hmm. Like, 
so I would rather work really hard for three days and then have the rest of the week off. To me, I think I could get more done in those three days where I'm just like sleeping under my desk than I would ever get done in a more normal style where I have to spread it out over like five or six or however many days and like take breaks and do other things and other stuff. All right. Well, people go listen to that episode in which we, I give a detailed (laughs) breakdown of how this is wrong and you shouldn't do this. I'm not saying this is right for everyone. I'm just saying that I think some people I think you're violating all sorts of labor laws (laughs) with this one. But not if people find that they work better in this situation. (laughs) What was the other ideas that we talked about in that episode? I know we had a few others, but it's been a while since we Well, those are are two, and you can listen to that episode for for more. But anyway, Ashko, you're you're the head of the company. This is one of your many products. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. But honestly, though, I'm serious. If someone wants to run with this idea and make the perfect corn, I would be so excited. You wouldn't even, like, seek damages or sue them or anything? No, this would be my dream come true, because I'm never going to do this. But I would love to buy a bag of perfect corn. It would really just, yes. Mm -hmm. It would be everything that I want from popcorn and nothing that I don't want. Mm -hmm. Other than the vision of the people with the gloves picking through the popcorn, but I think I could shove that out of my mind. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, so, all right. Ashco, Perfect Corn. So Ashco is making Perfect Corn? Well, perhaps, perhaps. perhaps. But perhaps. we did yeah, kind perhaps. of speculatively, around the time that I came up with this idea for Perfect Corn and was really talking about it, we also came upon some things that made us kind of, you know, speculate about the possibility that the Perfect Corn might be being manufactured by kind of a underground offshoot of Ashco, more of a cult-like group, because your problem with the perfect corn was that you were like, it's going to be too tedious, and who are you going to get to work in this factory where they're removing the corn kernels? And I said, this is exactly the kind of thing that, you know, members of kind of a alternative religious group mm-hmm. might do. I was kind of thinking about how, you know, for example, there was a kind of peanut butter that my family used to buy for a while when I was a kid that was being manufactured by a community group. And obviously many community groups have their own, you know, philosophies and whatever, and many of them are, I'm sure, perfectly fine groups and not necessarily a group that you might call an alternative religious movement or mm-hmm. or the more unflattering term, you know, a cult. I'm not saying that all groups, that religious groups or community groups are one of those. I'm just saying... It did make me think of that, how my family used to buy peanut butter that was made by, like, a co-op. And, you know, who you could really get to do the tedious labor is not so much people in a community, but more of, like, a, you know, a religious movement type of group. But I think I thought of this because we had seen an interesting story in the news recently. Yes. Um, but what was the name? I do not remember the name. You Love sent me... Wins. Love wins. Love conquers all. Love conquers all. It was either love conquers all or love wins. Yeah. You you sent me an article randomly I will because clear this up in the show notes or whatever. But because for for anyone that's like unfamiliar with my background, I do have a degree in religious studies, and so even though I am saying these things humorously, I do have a lot of respect for religious groups and people's you know personal beliefs. At the same time, I do have a lot of critique for groups that are, you know, taking advantage of and hurting hurting their followers. So it's an area of interest that I have, and it's also, I feel like I can kind of make fun of these groups humorously in the sense that I think people use humor to criticize real problems. And I do think there is a real problem with groups that are victimizing people. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you sent me an article about this group. I think it was something like Love Wins because their leader had recently um, been discovered deceased. But the thing that was really bizarre about it was that she'd been deceased for quite some time, and the group members had been harboring her in their home, and they'd maybe, but not very well, attempted to mummify her. And somehow they'd wrapped her corpse in a sleeping bag, and they'd wrapped it in Christmas lights and splinkered glitter in her eyes. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, just seemed really bizarre in the sense that 
the Christmas lights and the glitter, that just seems very juvenile mm -hmm. and not very well thought out. Did this person have a nickname? It was, I think they just called her mother hmm. or something like that. But that's very common in legitimate spiritual movements and also in fringe groups. I think it's very common for a leader to, you know, become referred to as mother or father. You know, that's not, that's not a surprise. But she was like mother or whatever. And so that was kind of on my mind when I was like, oh, well, you know, if, 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 if as the leader of Ashka, I was also secretly the leader of some kind of occultic group, you know, like yeah. secretly known as like Mother Wind or something, I could get my followers to make the perfect corn. Secretly because that's where what? you cut Mother Wind. Mother Wind. I just think that would be a good name for you. Mother Wind. Yeah, I think that's. I think that that. I think that would work. Blowing like a breeze. Well, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. let, let the winds of support surround you. The winds of change. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I think it works. I think it works really well, but. Because the reason that I think this solves a problem for the perfect corn is that you're going to have to pay the popcorn artisans for the tedious labor of removing the kernel from each popcorn. And that's what's really driving up and lo the cost of the popcorn and lowering your prices. So if you could get some kind of unpaid labor, and I do think the best way to get unpaid labor is through some kind of a religious group or a cult-like group such as a multi-level marketing scheme. Mm. I think that's the best way. If you have a product and you want to employ unpaid labor, either to produce the product or to move the product, that's what you really need to do. But all of these things that you're describing are pyramid schemes. Yes, well, and that's why I think... The only people profiting are at the top. And that's, that's an area that I'm very interested in, the area where we talk about the similarities between multi-level marketing groups and what we would call a new religious movement or, you know, what would be, you know, pejoratively referred to as a cult. I think there's a huge similarity there. Like, if you look at new religious movements that have had negative outcomes, either for most of their people in their group or for many of their followers... There, there, are, there are patterns that you can look at of, like, there are certain features that a group has that you would look at to kind of label it as, you know, fitting within this kind of umbrella of, you know, groups. And those same features you will see in an MLM or as you more directly refer to it as a pyramid scheme. And I'm particularly interested in that because, you know, with my background in studying new religious movements and, you know, cult-like groups... And then also seeing that in these MLMs and being very against that and how it is hurting people. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's just based on there is never an end point. You're always on the, you know, they're always trying to get people under you. That's how you make the money, right? That's well, how you be, rise. That's how you rise in, in the pyramid, right? Well, to be, to be defined as a pyramid scheme, the idea is that you are not making the majority, if you as, like, someone who's, like, selling the product or part of the scheme, you're not making the majority of your money actually by selling the product. You're making the majority of your money by having people under you. That's where it's defined as a pyramid scheme. Hmm. So it's, like... You, as for example, if you're selling essential oils, mm -hmm. if you're just selling essential oils, like to your friends, and you're having some parties where you try to sell them to your various acquaintances or coworkers or whatever, and you know, occasionally, like you know, one of your family members gets pressured to buy something, you're never going to turn a profit that way. Mm -hmm. You turn a profit by recruiting other salespeople who will then be in the network under you. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting a commission off of all their sales and you're getting bonuses based off of how many people you recruit and how many people they recruit and so on and so forth. So you're not making your money mm -hmm. on the product sales. You're probably losing money on the product sales. Mm -hmm. You probably have a large storage area in your home that's getting filled with more and more and more of the product as you pack it in 
as you try to achieve your goals within the company mm-hmm. that involve recruiting more and more people to sell under you. And this is not just specifically essential oils. It's other products as well. But I'm, I'm particularly thinking about essential oils because I believe one of the big essential oil companies is having their conference right now in Nashville. Oh. Yeah. Which one's that? I mean, I'd rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want your podcast to be taken away? <laughs> Okay, all right. I mean, do you do you worry about people like striking against you or <laughs> I'd love to be popular enough for people okay, to think so, they could strike yeah, against me. Young Living me. is having their is having Young some Living. kind of a big event right Putting now. Putting you on blast. <laughs> yeah, Young Living having a huge event right now in Nashville and you can do you, do you what do you how would you classify them in the pantheon? Are do you think that they are taking advantage of people? They are taking huge advantage of people. There are some people that have made a lot of money with Young Living, and there are a lot of people that have lost money. Mm. I saw some statistics recently that showed that the average person, and, and people would be quick, I think, people who would want to defend this would be quick to kind of jump in and try to say that I'm wrong about this, because the way that they report their statistics is done very deceptively to try to hide this. But if you actually look at their numbers, the average person who is, you know, a young living, you know, member or salesperson or whatever, the average person loses about $1,000 a year. Ooh. So that's the average earnings. The average earnings is negative $1,000. There are a few people that are making... What percent? Like... Less than 2%. Single digit. Yeah. Oh, Sing- low single digit. Low single digit. There's a few people that are making a lot of money. Like, when you talk about the people that are that are very high up in the pyramid, some of those people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Tippity-top. Yeah. Some of those people are making hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars a year. And there are some people, you know, a little bit below them that are still doing very well. But those are the unicorns of the mm. business. Of course. And wouldn't work if everybody made that much. No, and that's part of what is so vicious about it, too, is that it really wouldn't, and that's, you just hit upon an important detail. It wouldn't work if everybody did that well. So the people who are at the very top do need to have a few people under them that have risen to certain levels. However, there is some motivation to make sure not too many people rise. Hmm. Not even that everyone is capable of... I mean, most people, I think, are just legitimately not capable of rising that far. Because the fantasy that these businesses sell people is that anyone can do this and rise to the top and that you just have to do a few things and it'll be great. I think that the lie in that, though, is that I think you, first of all, have to have the right personality. Not everybody has the right personality to make this work. Second of all, you have to have the right social network. Mm. Not everyone has the right social network to make this work. And third of all, the image that they're selling of how they make this work is very different than the behind the scenes. Because the, the image that they're selling is you can be a stay-at-home mom and do this and support your family and live this lavish, fun lifestyle. The actuality is that the actual people that are high up in this are pretending to be stay-at-home moms, but they actually have full-time childcare because it is a full-time job. Mm. So you're not really a stay-at-home mom, and you're able to be a stay-at-home mom because of the income that you make by doing a little bit of work on your phone selling essential oils. You're a work-from-home mom who works really hard and has all these other things going and is willing to take advantage of people. And yes, maybe you can pay to have childcare in your home, which is different than having childcare outside of your home. But it's not the fantasy that they're selling, which is that you can be a stay-at-home mom and have this really great income hmm. and be there for your kids. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with being a work-from-home mom. I'm just saying that it's totally different if you said you can work from home and afford to have childcare and then, you know, have your kids be taken care of and you're working and whatever. That's totally fine. The issue that I have is that it's the fantasy that you're doing one thing when in fact you're doing something else. Mm. And it's all because you're trying to sell a lifestyle because all of these products sell a lifestyle that people imagine they could have 
not only if they sell the products, but also if they use the products. Mm-hmm. And it's a lie. Mm-hmm. And that's my problem with it. Uh, but, I mean, we mentioned Young Living, but certainly they are not the only offenders. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not just talking about them. I'm talking about... This is a culture. Yeah, I'm talking about all the essential oil MLMs. I'm talking about all the, like, different, like, supplements, like vitamins and shakes and things for working out and CBD. things for making you healthier. I think there are some CBD MLMs. I haven't investigated any of them specifically, but... As far as I know, there are a few MLM type. Some, yeah. There, yes, no, I've I've encountered some. Like I've, I've heard of some. Or it just rolled into general like alternative wellness. Yes, well, that's MLMs. the thing. That's the thing too is that I think a lot of these MLMs scrape up against and take advantage of people who are just interested in alternative wellness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being interested in alternative wellness in the sense of you know seeking out things that can help yourself and being interested in how to, you know, improve your life and your body and whatever, I think that can be good. It's a problem, though, in that I think that a lot of times people that are interested in those things are kind of easy pickings for the MLMs. Mm. And going back to the connection between the cults and the MLMs, the word for people that are extremely in danger of being taken in by you know, a cult-like group is a seeker. They're people that are constantly seeking, and they're seeking, they're spiritually hungry, seeking of community, seeking of spiritual affirmation or whatever. It's like they're looking for something, and those are the people that are kind of ripe for the pickings of these groups. Very much the same, I think you could you could label people that are very hungry for alternative health care, you know, information and resources as seekers in another sense. And that does make them, you know, ripe for the picking by these MLMs that are selling, you know, supposedly health-boosting products. Or or not even just to focus on people that are looking for health specifically, but financial help or general personal help. Like, we've got, you know, the general person, cult of personality guru type of, like, Tony Robbins. Mm. Or, like, you know... Dave and Rachel Hollis, like all of those people, like oh it's like people are hungry for something that will make their life better and help them figure out how to do things, and these people take advantage of that. And I think it is sad because there are people that have information that could be legitimately helpful to people. There are people that have health products that could be helpful to people, but these products cloud the market with, you know deceptive and dangerous ideas and products and views and you know it, it's it's bad mm. I mean I, I think there's a lot of the reason that this is such a prevalent thing in our society now is partially or maybe not even partially like mostly because uh, you know it used to be the case that you could have a single income and make it work. But that's and why... It's like people have been forced to split their time, you know. They've, they've kind of been forced into this, like, you know, slash, slash, I'm this, slash, this, slash, this, you know. like Whereas people, like, of our parents' generation were like, I'm stay-at-home mom. That I'm not going to, like, sell you an essential oil. I'm just, like, a stay-at-home mom. Like, I feel like that's, like... That's that's almost a relic of the past. Now I feel like there's so much pressure to like, oh, you should you should have the side hustle or whatever you should. And like. and I I totally obviously I understand. No, that, I, I mean, I'm not saying a, that's wrong. I'm just saying no, no, there's but pressure I'm like, from like society to make that happen. But I'm saying like as a stay-at-home mom, I totally understand that because like I myself have had moments where I've been almost tempted by some of these MLMs because it it is very tempting to think like, oh you know, I could just kind of just here and there throughout the day between taking care of my kids, I could just do a little bit of work right on my phone and then I could just be making an income for my family. And you see, the and that's where I'm saying it's so poisonous because it sells a dream that's not possible for most people who get into these companies. Because the dream is that you go from being a stay-at-home mom who, you know, kind of people question what you're doing and you feel like, you know, oh, I wish I could financially help my family, to being like, and then, the, here, okay, here, here's the big thing that a lot of these things do. A lot of these things are like, 
I started doing this MLM. I mean, they obviously don't call it an MLM. I started doing this <laughs> XYZ, whatever product, no one and says I retired my husband. <laughs> that's the big, the big dream. I retired yeah, my husband? Yeah, that's the big, that's the big draw. Like, the big carrot that they dangle is that you oh, can retire no. your husband. The idea is that you go from being... What percentage? I think it... Only Points. for only the people at the very top, we're and and they in, didn't re the and even that's a lie because they didn't really retire their husband. Their husband just came to work for them. He's still working. He's just in a different <laughs> job now. <laughs> but that's the carrot they dangle. They dangle the big carrot is I retired my husband. Uh, he you know he so. was working at a job that was you know he had to work a lot away from home. He didn't like his job. Blah blah blah. Whatever. I make so much money now mm. that he doesn't have to do it anymore. That's a, that's the a carrot they dangle. Wow. But like I said, he's he's not really retired. He now just works in your <laughs> company. <laughs> he's got to move this product. <laughs> he's got warehouses to oversee. Come on now. Or I was able to pay off all our debts. Or I was able to go on these dream vacations with my family that we never would have been able to do otherwise. Or... I was able to pay for us to have this house. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, they sell you this dream and they make it seem like this is so possible, you could do this, when you're probably actually going to lose money and they encourage you in an unhealthy way. Because they'll be like, just put it on a credit card. And no one who really cares about you is going to tell you to go into debt so that you can like do their like <laughs> scheme. But that's how these things work, is that they're like, oh, is it not worth charging a few hundred dollars to invest in yourself and your, your family's future? Worth? Exactly. How much do they exactly. Weigh? <laughs> and that's poisonous because the more desperate someone is, the yeah. more likely they are to lose. When do you go to invest in yourself? And I think investing in yourself is great if it's something that's really not just buying like a you. box of mystery leggings that you're gonna <laughs> exactly. have to like. And that's another one, those oh, leggings. Yeah. And those leggings. You know what you're going to get in those things, right? You just buy and then. Yeah, no, that was the thing with the, with the leggings was leggings that, like, that you get want. a shipment of leggings and you don't know how many of the special leggings that people want are coming versus the leggings no one wants. And then you, you have to buy more and more you leggings. You've got to move the leggings. Yeah. And that's the thing that more and more, the more that I have looked at the stories of people that have been involved in various companies, is that you end up personally buying more and more of the product. And it's hard to move, and you just have you're you're getting more and more of the product, and it's just like you're saddled with. But in the end, you've lost money, and you have all this stuff hanging around. Mm -hmm. And at least if you're just selling clothes or something, it's like that's not really hurting anyone. I mean, unless you're lo if you're losing money on selling it's your clothes, it's you. hurting you. It's not hurting your customers. No. I think the reason that I more particularly strike out against the essential oils people is because that's actually potentially hurting your customers also. You mean because they're taking that instead of actual medicine? Yes. Taking essential oils instead of medicine could be hurting you. Also, doing things that are ill-advised with the essential oils could be hurting you. For example, all of the essential major essential oil scheme com marketing companies advise people to eat some of the essential oils never eat the oils it's mm. not okay don't eat the essential oils all of them have things where they're like oh you could just make this salsa and then you know put a couple drops of lime oil in there or something don't eat the oils rob I wasn't, it's not recommended i wasn't going to <laughs> but that's why i'm saying they really hurt people mm. like Telling people to ingest things that they shouldn't be ingesting hmm. can really hurt people. Are you just supposed to rub it on yourself? Yes, and even that could be dangerous if you're rubbing too much of something or something that is very powerful and shouldn't be going into your body in those concentrations. What about children? That's the thing, too, is that they... There are some... I mean, I think they do try to educate people to, like, not put things on their children that are definitely going to, like, kill them. But... It's dangerous when you have people working with very potent products. Like, essential oils are very potent oils. Mm -hmm. And so when you have people just self-deciding to, like, sprinkle or spray or roll things on, things could go wrong pretty easily or pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not ideal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And all of the founders of these companies, not, okay, I'm going to back that off. Not all the founders of all these companies. Some of the founders of these companies were very shady individuals. For example, to come back to Young Living. Founder of Young Living, extremely shady. A murderer. Mm. Killed his own child. And this is not me just saying this. This is like, there are police reports and everything. I can back this up with receipts. He killed his own child in a attempted home birth delivery where he held the child underwater for an hour after they were born. What? Okay. The founder of Young Living, Gary Young, had a belief based on his not medical credentials from Fakesaurus University. <laughs> had, a, had, a, had, a, had a had a had a belief that it occurred PhD. to him that, you know, okay, you know how we had a water birth. Yeah, but I would. But, but, oh, no, no, but let me, let me, you know yes. how in the water birth, the baby comes out and comes obviously, out. yes. Comes out. Yes, we lifted her out of the water immediately. immediately. But I'm saying no like. No delay. And there was never any part of me that thought, huh, let's see if we should no. just leave her under there. No. But what I'm saying is that, so the baby in a water birth doesn't start breathing until you lift them out of the water. Because mm. it's like, you know, they, the feeling of, like, the temperature change in the air and everything, like, after the baby's born, they start breathing. Because they're obviously not breathing when they're inside the mother. Like, they, you know, they have fluid in their, you know, in there and everything, and they're getting the oxygen through the umbilical cord. After the baby's born, they start to breathe. Where anyone who's, you know, experienced birth or has any idea about childbirth understands this concept. Now, his idea was that if a baby was born in water then they wouldn't need to breathe right away because they could just somehow continue to live off of the oxygen, I guess, from the placenta. Or I'm not entirely sure exactly what he was thinking, but for some reason he thought better than to scoop the baby out of the water immediately to keep them underwater. Then this was somehow in his mind going to be beneficial. So he attempted to deliver his child this way. The child died... It was, I believe, ruled as, like, manslaughter or something. Because I guess he really thought that it would be okay, but it wasn't. And then, his that wife, I think, ended up divorcing him. Surprise, surprise. Then he tried to convince another wife that he had later to do this again, but she, like, refused. Fortunately. Since it went so well last time. Yes, it went so well last time that he wanted to try this again. And this is the person who came up with all these formulas and the supposed science of why you should be using Young Living Oils. Mm. I'm not saying that essential oils have no value. I'm just saying that if I ever buy an essential oil, it's not going to be from a pyramid scheme with a child murderer <laughs> as their founder. That's mm. all I'm saying. Yeah. I think that essential oils can smell good. Mm. I think that some of them probably do have medicinal uses mm -hmm. that I would love to hear about from perhaps a licensed aromatherapist. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to Mother Wind, I don't think we talked about Mother Wind enough. What, what else shall we say about her? <laughs> You seem like you're getting kind she's of defensive, a, she's a, she's Mother. She's a mysterious character. She doesn't like to answer direct questions. I'm just, I'm just interested in the belief system. I just kind of randomly made that up when we were talking about the popcorn. <laughs> but, I mean, my thought is that, obviously, you know, to follow Mother Wind, you need to give her your, your money. I mean, that's and all, that's, of course. That's, I think the important thing is that, there's going to be times when the idea of giving Mother Wind money seems almost impossible. Like, maybe you're feeling financially strapped. Mm. Maybe it's difficult. Maybe there are other things in your life that are hard. The harder it feels to give her money at that point, <laughs> the more beneficial to you it's going to be down the road. Oh. Like, when you give to Mother Wind at your lowest point, that's when you're really investing in the future 
when a time TBD down the road, you're really going to feel the winds of change and comfort and prosperity really enveloping you. Lifting you up. Yes, lifting you up kind of like, you know, not like a breeze, but even with, you know, the strength Strong. of a, like a gale or a, you know, like right. really like lifting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think that's the main thing is that like the harder it feels, the less able you feel you are to give, the more you should give and the harder you should try to give more. But do you Financially. Have... Yes, I understand. But also, other material donations are also accepted. Or at least Time, considered. treasure. Yes. Sometimes Talents. all you have to give is of your own time. Perhaps, you know, working with the tiny tools in the popcorn, perfect corn factory. Oh, I see. You know, because sometimes you might not have any finances left, but you, you may still have the use of your hands. Uh-huh. The ability to wield some kind of tiny tools while wearing gloves to make the perfect coin. Now, Mother Wind, do you do any of this work? <laughs> do you ever get down? Mother with your Wind people? is actually working the hardest of all, but on a more spiritual plane. <laughs> One that we couldn't possibly understand. And that's why she has to spend most of her time in, in rest and relaxation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Uh huh. Okay. Now, do you have a percentage of how much people are supposed to give of their... Uh, There's no minutes? ceiling no. to how much one no. can give. Because like I said, the, the less you... No, no, no. Give beyond... Because if it's We're hurting, you just haven't given hurt. enough. Wow. If you are hurting, it just means that you need to give more. That's just fear leaving the body. Eventually, you will reach... If you give beyond Going up the bridge. your fear and your pain, you'll eventually reach a point where almost like it will actually be a, a euphoric feeling, even though at first you might think that it's like panic <laughs> or fear, but you'll actually have moved beyond those things. You will no longer be experiencing panic and fear when you finally... Finish climbing the rock wall to total freedom. The rock wall to total freedom. Tell me it's more. not like a ladder or a bridge no. at all. Because I know that some groups that are maybe thought of in a negative light have mentioned <laughs> things such as a stairway or a ladder or a bridge. <laughs> but the rock wall to total freedom is completely different than those and shouldn't be associated with them at all. Mother okay. Wind but, came up with this all on her own. But sometimes when you are climbing up the rock wall, you know, your fingertips may be bleeding as you grasp upon the rocks. That is the moment when you need to grasp harder. Not let, if you let go at that moment, mm -hmm. that's when you fall down off the rock wall and plummet to your death. Oh, no. So the moment when your fingertips are bleeding and you wonder if it's safe to continue climbing or if you should continue climbing, that's when you need to climb harder. I see. Because certain death otherwise. Yeah. Well, so it's, once, you, once you've cl started climbing, the rock well, wall is a total The freedom. release from the rock wall is obviously, you know, you moving away from Mother One's teachings. And that's, you know, <laughs> you will then enter a free fall. There's no ropes anymore. As long as you're with Mother Wind, Mother Wind's spiritual ropes hold you to the wall. Okay. You may not see them. You may doubt that they're there, but they're there. If you try to release yourself from the wall, that's when you plunge down to your death. But as long as you just believe that you're able to keep holding on, Mother Wind's ropes are holding you there. Mm -hmm. She's with you all the time, except for when you try to get away from her and then, you know, so, fall to your death. Yeah, okay. I, I get that. Now, is there a top to this rock wall? Do Obviously. We ever, do we reach? Obviously. I mean... Are we, are we clear in some way? I wouldn't just... I wouldn't uh, use that why, terminology why? exactly. Why would that, we? Um, I would say that you've experienced... I would say that you've... <laughs> experienced a personal transparency. Okay. Because, you know, right now you may be living your life and a lot of things are kind of opaque to you. Mm. It's almost like you're not able to see entirely what's going on. It's like almost like a cloud in your vision. Are you but saying there's a wind that could sweep this cloud away? I am saying that the winds the winds of your mother could could help you to reach the top of the rock wall where you will experience transparency. <laughs> Think of it as mountain climbing. Okay. You have to push yourself to the summit. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. When you get to the summit, that's when you will experience that transparency. Hmm. And then you'll be living your life. Has anyone experienced this transparency? I mean, obviously Mother Wind and some of her closest followers. Oh, okay. I see. However, some of them did find out that once they reached transparency, they were then able to perceive that there were even higher mountains that they could begin to climb. Wow. So different, even more higher peaks to... Yeah, scale. that's the thing is that right now you're down so low on the earth mm-hmm. that you're not able to see the real mountains. The mountain wow. that you think you see is really just a trap that your own earthliness has created for you. But oh. once the wind is lifting you up the and rock the wall... The is your enemy, isn't it, Mother Wind? I would never say the earth is the enemy. I would just say that sometimes the earth... Is very heavy and mother in the, is mother the opposite wind. of total freedom. Well, the earth to mother wind represents <laughs> our home in this plane. Oh. But once you reach the peaks of transparency that are up above in the mountains that you haven't been able to see yet, you'll understand that down here on the earth you were so concerned with material things, like you worried about whether or not you could afford to give mother wind. The money that she was asking from you. But later you'll see that that was not important. What was important is that you believed in Mother Wind and you gave of yourself as a demonstration of that belief, which allowed yourself to go upwards, upwards, ever upwards, upwards. becoming lighter as you go. So it's almost like the different levels of the atmosphere is what we're talking about here. And, I mean, have you ever wondered why people so long travel into space? Mm. It's because there's a natural desire to ascend into a lighter plane. Mm. People who are thinking of space travel just don't understand that really what they're longing for is what Mother Wind offers, which is just an ascendance up these mountains that will, you know, really take you up into the sky. Wow. And, of course, when I say the sky, I mean a place beyond the sky where you can really experience what it is to be an ethereal being, Mm. such as Mother Wind. I see so what you're saying is, if I don't turn the pop cord correctly, I will be falling <laughs> to my death. Basically, <laughs> basically, yes. Not to put too fine a point on it, but uh, well, you know, that's what, that is that is a concern. Facing, that's what we're facing here. That's a concern. <laughs> oh wow. Um, well, Mother Wind, I uh, I wish you. Uh, I don't know what I wish you. <laughs> I mean, I think that you could start by wishing that I don't end up mummified in a sleeping bag with <laughs> Christmas lights wrapped around me and glitter sprinkled in my eyes. I'd like to think that I've trained my followers better than that. Uh-huh. I'd like, I'd, like a, I'd like to go out more resplendently. Yeah. Obviously. A sky burial of some kind. That would seem appropriate. Whatever that it? means. <laughs> is that where you... Oh, a sky burial is a real thing. What is it? Oh, it's just where you kind of go up into the mountains and are kind of exposed to the elements. Oh, okay. I see. It's actually, I think, better than an earth burial Mm. because, and I'm saying this in all seriousness, just in the sense that rather than, like, taking up space in the ground, you're just kind of, you know, you're exposed to the elements and then, you know, birds and things can eat you and eventually your, you know, your remains will be kind of dealt with by the elements. So I actually think sky burial... Is a very legitimate option. I mean, I don't think it's maybe available in our country. Yeah, I was going to say, where do they do this? I believe it's more of a... I, want, I, want, I don't want to say that... I don't want to say this wrong. I think that some Buddhists maybe do sky burial. I think it's more of an Asian hmm. possible thing. I don't think that it's... Because they have more high mountains. Yes, I think, I think places with high mountains maybe consider this more. I, I don't think it's... I don't know about the legality of it in this country, right. but I think it's a perfectly legitimate way to go. Yeah. Well, um, do you have any other thoughts about Mother Wind that you'd like to share with us? Not really. I mean, do you have any thoughts? I feel like we've already said too much about Mother Wind. <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> well, Mother Wind feels that she's revealed too much of the mystery. I know. Mystery. You've been living... You really need to join the group before you can get all the details. It's it's not really the kind of thing that we could share with you from the outside. Ah, so. I see. So you're, after you... you've joined and maybe made a few... Financial investments, not because we're after your money, but because the financial investment will really show us that you're serious about your spiritual growth. Then we can really give you some more of the details about how you can start climbing the rock wall. 
Once you get to cer certain levels on the rock wall, there's certain camps, I would assume. Oh, yes. It's up. like, like you know, different base camps, we could call base them. Base camps up the yeah. mountain, absolutely. Yeah, and so as you reach those base camps, you will be learning more and more about how to ascend in ways that will make you just, you will feel so lifted up as you reach each of those base camps and receive the new information. <laughs> I think you should really do everything you can to go there more quickly. Mm-hmm. Will we have time to learn more as we're trimming the popcorn, or is this... Uh... I think trimming the popcorn is more... It's not something that you would do, maybe... Is there audiobooks I can listen to of Mother Wind? Or I think it's just, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. Okay. And if That's you, for you example... Start. like let, Let's say you don't have a lot of finances to contribute to get going you could give of yourself in another way by, like, oh, for see. example, working in the popcorn factory just to kind of get things off the ground. So if you have resources already to give Mother Wind, you don't necessarily have to trim You don't necessarily popcorn. have to. The popcorn, gotcha. the popcorn trimming is not for everyone. Gotcha. It's just one avenue that you could take to kind of <laughs> enter into this if you don't have resources to give in other yes. ways. But we're not, you know, it's not just financial resources. If you have any other properties or, you Metals. Know, Valuable. Metals, you know, some doubloons, you know, any, any potential, you know, artworks. Yes, anything of value, assets. Yeah, yeah, any, any, anything like that, you know, that might be another way that you could give of yourself. I'm just saying that if you truly feel you don't have anything to give, Mother Wind wants to give you back your self-esteem by saying, yes, you do have something to give. Mm. You can work in this popcorn factory and give of yourself in that way. Not only... Will you be putting yourself on the path to ascending the rock wall? You will also be making nutritious food to be enjoyed by people on Earth. Making? It already existed. People would just eat around the shelf. <laughs> well, <laughs> some people don't want to eat around the shelf. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, Mother Wind, I thank you for your time. <laughs> As always, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> That's her leaving. What? I was going. <laughs> <laughs>
Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.